I think that we create morale problems in our organizations because we're so geared to selling the fireside, really hard sell the firefighting part of the job, and we're not really firefighting anymore. And so, you know, we bait them in with firefighting and then we tell them they're actually in the EMS business. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives firefighters the information they need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. You know that recruiting has become a real problem in many volunteer fire departments. But what's worse is when they do get someone to join, get them qualified and trained, and then in a year or two they quit. The NVFC says it's happening at least partly because volunteers are being lured in by the big red trucks and then find out they'll spend a lot more time doing EMS work. That makes sense. If they join because of a video or poster of firefighters and turnouts at a structure fire, they're bound to be disillusioned. So why do departments keep doing that? We're discussing this today with Joe Maruka. He's the chief of the West Barnstable, Massachusetts Fire Department. That's a combination department on Cape Cod. He served as a volunteer firefighter from 1977 until he became chief in 2005. He is a Massachusetts director on the National Volunteer Fire Council, and he serves as the vice chair of the NVFC's Recruitment and Retention Committee. He's also a retired attorney. And Joe Maruka joins me now. Thanks, good to be here. Thank you. Well, you've called volunteer recruiting programs that emphasize firefighting a kind of bait and switch, but isn't that just good salesmanship? Absolutely. (laughs) It's both. I mean, mean, it can be both at the same time, And, and I'm equally guilty of it as anybody else. But it's something I think we need to be aware of and understand the the kind of the longer range impact of it on our organizations, you know, as opposed to trade-off, the short term, get those people in the door, get them excited. And, and I think it changes a little bit depending on, on how busy you are and where you are and, and the nature of your organization. But I, I certainly see us doing it. I'm throw stones at somebody else. <laughs> I'm throwing stones at myself. Well, don't volunteers learn the reality of those jobs when they walk in the door or at least in an orientation session? Somewhat. Somewhat. I, I think they do. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I wrote that piece that, that uh, talked about this, the, the bait and switch. The idea is we're, we're, we're um, bringing people in to be firefighters. We, we really hard sell the firefighting part of the job. And we're not really firefighting anymore. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, we bait them in with firefighting and then we tell them they're actually in the EMS business or they're in the public service business uh, or they're going to pump basements and things or, or cook chicken dinners. Yeah, I wrote that a year ago. And, you know, since then, the, the NVFC has done some research on why people leave volunteer fire departments. And one of the things 
that showed up among people who have left. That were, they surveyed people who had left departments, and it was unclear expectations. And, and I think that kind of plays into it a little bit, that, that we bring people in, they think they're going to be firefighters, and they're going to fight fires and ride the trucks and wear gear and air packs and, and, and do heroic kinds of things. And then they maybe get a little confused after they finish all this fire training that we do. We're not doing the things that we trained for. We're not doing those things. I, in preparation for this, I did a quick, very rough calculation. And I think that, that in my department, to, to fight one fire, you have to go to 1,200 EMS calls. And that's a, you know, we, we get one, what I, we get one, what I call working fire. We have to actually wear structural firefighting gear, stretch a hose, put water on a fire uh, in a building once every three years in this community. Is that what we actually do? You know, we get a few car fires and some brush fires and things like that, but it's, it, it's changed a lot. And I think that we create morale problems in our organizations because we're so geared to selling the fire side. And, and we do it in our recruit classes. Now, I, I send people to recruit class, and I have to pretend that they're not paramedics, that we send them in stripped-down uniform shirts that don't identify anything so that they, they don't get made fun of for being paramedics by the fire instructors. Well, I need paramedics. That's the big thing that, that you need in this world. And I could teach paramedics to be firefighters. It's harder to teach firefighters to be paramedics. It's interesting that you say that because I would have assumed, and I admit I've never been in on it, but I would have assumed that when they came to an orientation class or something like that, when they first walked in the door, someone would say, so you want to fight fires, huh? Well... You're not going to get to do that very much. You're mostly going to do, you know, and come up with whatever you want to say. Are you telling me that when they get in the door that someone doesn't say your your expectations might be a little unrealistic? I think we may say it. And certainly I'm more cognizant to say it now than I would have been a few years ago. Then you take them outside and show them the rig and say, but this is the fire engine. Right. The, the imagery. The imagery that we use surrounding the, the industry itself is all about fire. And, you know, I put up the doors here at my fire station. I have one ambulance and I have five fire trucks. The imagery is that we're a fire department. And the reality is the five fire trucks don't do too much on a day-to-day -day basis. There's a, there's a need for them and they serve a critical role in our community. But even subconsciously, we're, we're selling the imagery of the fire service. We're called the fire department. Uh, although since I wrote the article, I did change us. We are now the, we're now a fire and EMS department. I took my own advice. Should we really rename departments to fire EMS? I, I don't know if it matters. We did. And, and you know, it was funny. I, I didn't get any pushback from the staff in doing it, which I expected I would. You know, all our shirts now say fire EMS on them. And I think the people who are here are cognizant, and that's really what we're doing most of the time. You know, we, we, when we bring those new people in, the first thing we do is spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks teaching them fire skills. 
you know, and then and then then we cut them loose and they're ready to go. And well, it could be you, you you could go years on this fire department and not actually go to a fire. But you better be ready to ride in an ambulance at a moment's notice. We're doing those every day. And, and so I think it, I'll bring it back to, I, I think part of my point of the article was that we're setting ourselves up for morale issues within our, our organizations. And, and I think that this may be part of what drives the turnover that we're seeing, the loss of people in volunteer fire companies is we're not doing, we're not meeting their expectation. In part, we might be recruiting the, the wrong people. We, we need to make a stronger focus on recruiting people who are maybe more interested in EMS or in community service in general or in a broader emergency services role than, than, than the more traditional fire department role. And that's not true for all departments. There, there are a lot of fire departments out there that don't do EMS and and, and it isn't it isn't as much of an issue for them probably as it is for those of us that do both. Well, what about emphasizing, let's say, the rescue element? Maybe firefighters cutting open a car would that be honest, or is that still too far off the mark? We used to call, you know, our shirts used to say "Fire Rescue," and, and I decided that rescue was a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> it it could be if if you don't have an ambulance and you're not running. You're not the primary provider of EMS in your community, which we are. We have been since 1974. This is something we've been doing a long time. But if you're not that primary provider, fire rescue is probably a more appropriate term for what you're doing. But you got to look at what you actually do in that day-to-day. We used to do a lot of auto extrication. We have a highway through town. When I say a lot, we used to extricate six, seven, eight times a year. In the last five years, we're probably down to twice a year. And we're seeing less of that than we used to. And that's probably, you know, it's, it's a change in how cars are and highways are built, I think. Certainly people aren't driving better. <laughs> I get myself in trouble now, but I don't think they're driving better because we still go to a lot of accidents. The figures you provided said you need medics about 65% of the time and firefighters about 4%. What about the other 31%? They're service calls. They're, they're what some departments call smells and bells. We, we get them every, well, not every day, maybe every week, the person that calls up. My smoke detector is beeping. There's no fire here. I don't know why it won't stop beeping. We go over and help them figure it out. Vehicle lockouts. You know, I smell smoke in the general neighborhood. Illegal burning. We, we do a ton of calls like water in basements, electrical problems, you know, and there is value in sending fully trained firefighters to those things. It, it's, still not the, it's still not quite the same thing. You know, it's not what we're teaching them at recruit school on how to manage these calls. This is stuff we kind of add on after, the, after we've taught them how to fight a fire. I was at a station one day when they got a call for a run to help a woman get into a moving truck so that they could move to a new house. And I said, what are you guys doing responding to that? I mean, that's not even close to being an emergency. And he said, Scott, who else is going to go? We are. We're the agency of last resort. Anyone has any kind of a problem in our community and they can't find somebody else to solve the problem, they call us. 
And it's kind of, it's an interesting role. And I think, I think it's an old traditional role. I think we just see more of it because our communities have grown. And I think community expectations are, are broader and wider maybe than they were when I was a child. But, but we've always been doing that. Pump and basements. We were, we were doing that in the seventies when I started and uh, we're still doing it today. And we've added a whole bunch of other little things along with that. It's good public relations. And, and to be honest, if we didn't do those 30% of those calls, we'd have more trouble justifying our budget to the community because I'd have 30% fewer service calls to talk about. In terms of recruiting, though, I mean, do you think that there's a possibility that emphasizing the medical end of it might actually encourage a certain group of people to get involved who don't know that they should be involved? It could. You know, I think anytime we change this up, we, we run, we have to, we have to watch what, what, what the results are. There's always unintended consequences of what you're doing. For the most part, we're still, uh, we, we require all of our people to be firefighter one, two trained. Well, yeah, I mean, you may need them at some point to actually go to a fire. Yeah, but we're, we're kind of culturally shift a little bit and understand that the, the, the people that come day in and day out for the medical calls and that are also willing to come here uh, during a hurricane or a blizzard and help us deal with trees down and clearing roads and doing those things are as valuable to the organization are the, as the people who, who we all, all of our volunteer organizations have, who are the ones that show up for the fires. And, and a lot of times the people who are best at showing up for fires, they're not medically inclined. Hmm. Um, this is an area I personally struggled with. At best, I was a, a an adequate EMT for 20 years. It was never my, my, my personal focus and passion. And I was always, you know, a better engineer, you know, that driver operator and, a, and then later a company officer. And, and, and I'll tell you that culturally, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't think highly of those, those EMS people, you know, they're the Band-Aid gang, you know, they'd come to all those medical calls and, I, I would drive the ambulance more than I would treat patients. And if we're going to survive as an organization today, we really have to kind of shift that because our communities have shifted and the, and the availability of volunteers has changed and the type of people who will volunteer has changed. And the amount of time that people can give you as a volunteer has changed. And we just need to start adapting. We got a lot of change to catch up with because I think we in general, and, and myself, you know, we, we kind of sat on our past and, and didn't, didn't make the changes that we needed to as we went along. Have you made changes in your own department along those lines yet? We, we have. I, I, we, we're, you know, I think we've become more cognizant that our role is EMS primarily. We, we've accepted our the addition of EMS to our T-shirts and our, our name and our focus here. We are allowing people to take a longer period of time to become firefighters when they come in here as recruits than we used to. We used to insist on, you know, before you could do anything, you had to do our recruit training and our fire training and get, get your one-two uh, from the state uh, training council and, and do those things. And now if you're an EMT, we're 
we're utilizing those people to ride ambulance with us before they finish or, or even start in some cases that training. Do people come in as EMTs having been trained somewhere beforehand? We do get people like that. Um, people that work for some of the private ambulance companies come in to join us. And, you know, it's... See, now that, no, wait a minute, that's interesting because those are people who already have a job doing this. They already know that they're not going to be going to fires, and yet they're volunteering their time to do more EMS work. They are, but you know what their real, the secret, their secret ambition is to be a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why they're joining us, is it, to some degree we, we are a stepping stone to a career position through our organization. And, and, and that's, that is also a piece of the puzzle. There is no one, one clear path, but there is no doubt about it. We, we get people that work for private ambulance companies that, that come in the door and they've got a lot of background in EMS. And they're hoping that two or three years down the road, they're going to have accomplished enough from the fire standpoint to give themselves an edge at getting a, a career firefighter paramedic job in one of the bigger communities nearby. Hmm. Well, we may have to go ahead and reprint all those t-shirts. <laughs> well, we didn't ban the old ones. <laughs> oh, so some of them are classics. We, we, we still, we don't, we don't, we just, the new t-shirts say fire EMS, but we didn't chase people. We make them get rid of them. <laughs> we like to make changes and, and make them palatable and ease them in and we're not here to shock people. That's good. All right, we'll leave it there. Joe Maruka, thanks for being with me on Code 3 today. Thank you very much. It's been great, Scott. I uh, look forward to these. Thank you. Lots of firefighters enjoy or at least don't mind doing the EMS part of the job. Those who don't may not stick with your volunteer department for the long term when they see how few fires you actually catch. So what about changing the name? Putting Fire EMS on a t-shirt worked for Joe. Would it work for your department? In Arizona, when two career fire districts combined, they just went ahead and changed the actual name to Central Arizona Fire and Medical Authority. Do you have a better idea? I'd like to hear it. You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash bait. There's links to more info there as well, so check it out as always. And if you want to get a little discussion going, send the members of your volunteer department this episode of Code 3. It'll get them talking and maybe some changes will happen. Personal recommendations are the best way to grow this show's audience, so I'd appreciate it too. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.